But before we go on to the trial, let's uh, fuck uh, who who. Let's fuck. Let's fucking do it. News, <laughs> Films on trial has another bit of patron content coming up. <laughs> Come on, guys. Mind you, it might, it might like, let a lot of stress out. Mm. Might be, yeah, yeah. Might be well, we... five years of sexual tension put to one side. <laughs> before we do a film podcast, <laughs> Films on trial. Let's <laughs> fuck. Um, okay. Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week is the continuation of our Angela Bassett season. As we put the 2022 superhero film Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, on trial. Is it Namor, which is Scottish for no more, or is it yay, more? <laughs> <laughs> It's probably one of the worst ones you've ever done. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's up there. Essentially, will this be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? But before we go on to the trial, let's talk about our last trial, which was the 2013 action film Olympus Has Fallen. Joel judged that trial and deemed the, the film should be placed on our hit list. I had to double check several times because I didn't believe him. I thought he was lying to me when he says he went on the hit list when I couldn't remember. But Joel, you've since gone away and you've watched the film. So did you make the right call? Yes or no? Um, I think I made the right call just in terms of, you know, annoying you to the maximum. <laughs> and even watching it, I don't think it's as bad as as some of you guys made out. Like, I think these days you watch a kind of Gerard Butler film that, you know, doesn't look that great on the surface. You kind of already go in almost knowing what to expect. It's not going to like blow your tits off. I think it, it's a it's a decent enough watch for like an hour and a half or whatever it was. But there's better films out there. Let's let's not kind of kid ourselves about that. So I I don't think it, it's terrible. I think we've reviewed a lot worse films. Um, Name one. Demon Knight. Uh, yeah, Demon Knight. Uh, any of your Halloween horror picks? To be yeah, honest, any, any of Gav's picks. Let's be fair. How fucking dare you? Let's you, do you... <laughs> Go on, Alex. Well, do you know what I meant about Aaron Eckhart basically looking like he wanted to take a shit for the entire film? Or no? I think that... it, maybe you know he did. Did you ever consider that? A method actor. <laughs> um, really thought, no, I haven't. I haven't. To be fair. <laughs> no. Um... I, I think that Joe Butler gets a bit of a bad rep when it comes to films these days. I think, yeah, to, to being a good actor. Mm. Yeah, but it, it is kind of deserved, isn't it? Because, you know, there's only so much shit that you can put out before people, like, start clocking onto it. I'm sure he has got some decent, you know, stuff in there. Like, I really like 300 and that type of thing. But mm. there's only, like, so many shit films that you can do. I mean, literally, the last time I saw Gerard Butler mentioned, it was a trailer. And you know, that shows you still get him work. For a film about a, a plane that goes down and the passengers all get taken by, I don't know, I thought it was mercenaries or terrorists or something like that. And he's the captain and he's got to get them back because, and he says, I'm their captain, they're my passengers. And the film's just called Plane. Yeah, yeah. And I was literally <laughs> sat there and said, I was chuckling to myself at this concept. So, you know, everything we're saying is true. But he's still getting work. <laughs> yeah. And also, right, 
I've seen that film and it was all right. And secondly, I mean, what more do you want? Like, there's no yeah. false advertising there. True that, true that. And I, I, I'm not saying I won't watch it. It piqued my interest. I think you've all lost any sense of what a good or bad film is then <laughs> at this point. You've just got, you've completely lost all your critical faculties at this point. And, and you know, we shouldn't be doing a podcast, let's be clear, guys. None of, do you know what I mean? Not, none of us should be. It's exceptional circumstances. Gerard Butler will will do that to a man. He'll just take all that information out of head. <laughs> So, right, I'm going to swiftly move on before any more Joe Butler slander occurs. Uh, to, uh, and, uh, firstly, before we go on, I do have a little bit of Angela Bassett trivia that I found when I was doing research for this. Uh, I, don't, I, was, I thought I was going to present it in a segment that I'd like to call X, but I haven't written that down. So uh, what about uh, Bassett's All Sorts? And then... We have... Bastards all sorts last week. You're no, was, repeating yourself. For fuck's sake, I can't. I can't even do a stale joke anymore. Um, I know. <laughs> Those things never go stale because they're made of so much sugar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a joke, Gav. That's a goddamn joke. Like that's. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Angela Bassett was originally slated to star in the film Simon Says, which was a sequel to the film Rapid Fire, which starred a previous podcast person of interest, Brandon <laughs> Lee from The Crow. Uh, but unfortunately, they didn't go ahead because he, he died in The Crow and uh, they decided to not go ahead with the film, obviously. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, to be fair. <laughs> so they, they took that script and they rewrote it and turned it into Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Wow. So that's an intro. So and also, that is a link between our two seasons, our sort of Michael Wincott season and our Angela Bassett season. Right there, we had a link is that we didn't though? even know. I might cut this because it's pretty boring. But <laughs> <laughs> we already have a link between our Wincott season and Angela yeah. in just the last yeah. Yeah, it was it was strange it, days, and we didn't end up doing it after all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it we, was Michael Wincott himself was the link, right? Michael Wincott was the link, and we advertised it in the episode. And then we realized that we couldn't watch it because it's not available because of rights issues without buying it. And then is it rights decided... issues? Is that why? Is that the issue? <laughs> is it rights issues? Are we sure about that? Lack of funds. That's the excuse Lack of funds. Anyway. Yeah. We should leave some of this in here and then people might donate the £4.15 or whatever it was <laughs> to watch it on YouTube. I, I bought the DVD. It's it's still on just for the bit. <laughs> Poor Dave. Poor <laughs> Dave. We need to limit three ninety nine to go and buy a DVD player from the Jersey show. Can I can the Bigelow receive the check at the end of the month? Three ninety nine. She's like, holy shit! Finally. <laughs> 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 oh, so anyway, right. now on to the trial. Now all of the roles have been picked out of the hat, uh, and what I've gone for here, guys, is so you can't blame me again. Is I've gone for. Uh, well, in, you wrote it, so we can't blame you. Well, you, you, well, you can try, but uh, these are the words that have been written by MarvelFandom.com to describe the characters that I'm likening you to, so you can't get too upset by what I say. So, acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Dave, who is just like the Tisha Wright's character, Shuri, a.k.a. Black Panther. Mm -hmm. He often dresses in American-style clothing, such as band T-shirts, jeans, and shorts, in high contrast to the traditional or high-class clothes of others in his company. <laughs> that 
That's fair. That's there's no insult there. I will take that. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, thanks, Dave. Uh, joining Dave, uh, Dave, uh, joining Dave will be Joel, who is just like Winston Duke's character Mbaku, thought of by many as a brute with brawn and little brain. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I don't seem to have copied the rest of the text over there. <laughs> <laughs> and acting as prosecution... But he does become the king, so... <laughs> does he? We'll have to wait for the, the sequel to find out. <laughs> he challenges. So, uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is me, and I'm a bit like Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, a narcissistic, power-hungry individual obsessed with overthrowing his cousin... <laughs> and joining me is ozzy and he's just like dominique thorne's character riri williams aka ironheart a technological genius at heart who has become infatuated with creating their own super suit (laughs) (laughs) although i do imagine the williams ironheart suit cost much less to make than some of the suits in your closet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now just like real court advocates the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles these may or may not be their real opinions though so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think and in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him is alex who is just like neymar now alex you might you might notice here i went off a little bit off script and just took bits from the text and mashed them together into a description of you. Interesting. Okay, go on. (laughs) Uh, Neymar, who is a complicated, thirsty, (laughs) often shirtless, underground dweller. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Who has seen firsthand the effects of Spanish colonization. (laughs) (laughs) So when you say you you took bits, Gav, you just... uh... Did you write the bits yourself, then take them, and then put them together in a sentence? Is, is that what you did? <laughs> I've got to admit, when you introduced him as Neymar, I was like, is he going to talk about his goal-scoring record? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Neymar. Now, before we get started, I think that we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Uh, and you'll be happy to see. Oh, it's sort of in between Alex and Joel. Give it, give it a shake. See where it lands. What's the sell by date on that, Fredo? Oh, it's, it's, it's long gone. gone. It's long gone. gone. December. <laughs> I think to next time. Eat, uh, eat it right now. That would be better content, to be honest. I'll tell you what. I'm... Next time you're really convinced by your argument, Gav, say <laughs> you don't believe me. I'm eating this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will do that. I will do that. Uh, and it's uh, after shaking, it's landed on Alex. So Alex. Right. Uh, so what we do here is we um, basically I'm pretty shaky ground though. once again. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of characters in this film, and Alex shouldn't impersonate like ninety-eight percent of them. Yeah. Maybe you could do Martin Freeman. I was going to say your options are either a regular movie trailer voice or Martin Freeman. What, Julia Louise Dreyfus or Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus? Oh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, much better. Yeah. Uh, anyone? Anyone got any? You can vote for any of those. How's your Mexican? 
Uh, totally inappropriate, I think. Surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good actually. Little racist still, so I best what not. About, just go. About, um... I still just got a little smidgen of racism in it, so I best I best not, Aussie. But yeah. What about the guy from the first film? It was a clute, was it? Um, Andy Serkis' character. Oh, was he South African? African. Yeah. Fucking South African, I'll do that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, the people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening willpowers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. <laughs> It's not bad, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a Mexican accent. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, man. I liked it. Although it did sound a bit like Inspector Clouseau at certain points. <laughs> it, it, I did my best. Well, the thing is, we're not getting cancelled because of it. And that's the no. No, 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 no. Well, maybe in South Africa. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yes, uh, excited to hear about Wakanda Forever. Watched Black Panther a long time ago. Sort of feel like a little bit like the Marvel's gone off the boil, but did enjoy the first one, so I feel like I'm in quite a good place to judge this one. Will this reignite my love of Marvel? Uh, anyone from the defence who feels like they would like to give me a better synopsis than what the one I just gave? <laughs> Dave, you're all. <laughs> I purposely, I handed over to Joel as well. He handed it right back. Fair play to him. He used his voice. <laughs> I, I, I can if you like. Um, Go on, John. So, so uh, I mean, obviously, the the big kind of thing here is Black Panther has died, and um, they they handle it really well at the start of the film. It's it's basically T'Challa. He's got a kind of unspecified terminal illness. The only way that they can kind of cure him is using the heart-shaped herb, which is what the king takes to become Black Panther, essentially. But obviously in Black Panther 1, uh, Killmonger destroys all of those. So it basically starts with Shuri trying to kind of um, synthetically recreate that herb in order to save her brother. But obviously she doesn't do it in time. And then one year later, kind of cuts to like a conference where other nations in the world are jealous of Wakanda. Uh, and their kind of rich resource of vibranium. They basically want access to that, and Wakanda basically says no, because humans will be humans, and they'll kind of uh, make weapons out of it and all that type of stuff. It then cuts to a... Uh, we'll fast forward a little bit. Basically, they find some other resource of vibranium in the middle of the ocean, only when they find that vibranium, they're attacked by like um, some sea people, basically, those oh, damn sea people. people. Those fucking sea people, man. What are they like? Who was it? The Cornish? We'll keep this vibranium for ourselves, I think. <laughs> that would have been a better film, to be fair. <laughs> kind of flat pants and meat straw dogs. <laughs> Um, so, so these sea people are headed up by a chap named um, Namor, and it, the whole film kind of basically revolves around the power struggle in terms of Namor and Wakanda. And Namor kind of is one of those villains who is, I suppose, he's a little bit like Thanos in a way. Like he's got his motives aren't like purely evil, but the way he kind of goes about it is a bad thing. So he wants to kind of basically stop everybody from having access to uh, vibranium but the way he kind of wants to do that is by basically destroying other nations and that type of thing um and wakanda wants to do things in a much more kind of peaceful way 
I mean, that's the kind of basic premise of the film. It's it's kind of like Wakanda against the outside nations. You know, they're being portrayed as like the bad guy, but it's also like Wakanda against uh, Namor. And also, obviously, you've got the kind of underlying plot of uh, who's going to be the next Black Panther. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone was surprised when it turned out to be Shuri. So one thing I will say is that it, it's all very well done. The, the way they handle T'Challa's death, um, it's extremely well done and also you said it yourself like a lot of the marvel films have recently since like um phase four and phase five started have been very subpar and i think a lot of that is down to for example ant-man me and uh, gav went to see that and they i think one of the actors in that mentioned that basically all of the budget got redirected to wakanda forever for a lot of the marvel films so all the other marvel films were rushed but time was taken on this film and it really, really shows. I mean, you can see in like the um, Oscar nominations and all that type of thing, which I'm sure we'll kind of get onto later on. But as a whole, you know, if you're looking for basically probably the only good Marvel film since Endgame, this, this is, this is that one. Wow. I mean, that could be a good thing, but it has been quite a has been quite a dearth of uh, of shit films. So you know, I'm not sure if that's a high bar. Uh, it does sound like an interesting story. I like the, the stuff about vibranium, and you know, it's a difficult one to come after T'Challa, you know, after Chadwick Boseman. But sounds like they handled that pretty well, and they've got an interesting film that they put the money into. Uh, where's the problem? Can I have someone from the prosecution jump in and rip it to shreds? Yeah, I completely disagree with that, to be honest. I think Ryan Coogler and nice. co-writer Joe Robert Cole had a very sizable task ahead of them trying to live up to the first Black Panther film, which was widely regarded and probably one of the best MCU films to date. But this task was obviously made much more difficult by the untimely and devastating death of Chadwick Boseman. So they had to go about rewriting the initial concept that they had and instead making the film more of a, a fitting tribute to the actor and also officially handing over the Black Panther mantle to Shuri as well. Now, I feel that that probably could have been the film within itself right there, but then we have additional things, like we have the introduction of one of the oldest Marvel characters and a potential future Avenger in Namor. Then we also have the introduction of another potential future Avenger in Ironheart as well. Also, we have for some reason the death and mourning process for queen ramona angela bassett's character who dies unfortunately halfway through the film it, it this just feels like there's a lot of stuff in this film and it just becomes massively overstuffed in black panther the first one we had one of the most compelling engaging protagonists in killmonger who wasn't just a maniac set on world domination, but he had credible and reasonable motives, albeit, you know, slightly misguided ones with violent methods and so so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit, bit, bit worrying, eh? Seems to be on Killmonger's side there, yeah. It's a bit... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but one of the things that made him such a compelling villain was the parallels drawn between him and Black Panther, uh, King T'Challa. There were so many similarities, but it was almost like this prince and a pauper situation. In you've got two people who are very similar, forced to live completely different lives and developing widely different worldviews. Here, the writers have tried to do something very similar with Namor. They have rewritten Namor's origins. So now, in, from instead of being from Atlantis, 
He's now from Talakan, which is a world which has essentially been influenced by Mayan culture or, or Mesoamerican cultures in general. It's like this underwater land, essentially. Sorry, and just these are sea people who live on Earth, but no one's ever seen them. Well, no, no. So, so essentially, they they lived in a, a, a they lived South, in like a generic South American, uh, generic South American like Inca-based country. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Talacan was like the Mesoamerican Atlantis. It's it's yeah. a myth in the Aztec uh, religion. Talacan okay. is is their Atlantis essentially. It's always of a sunken city, that sort of thing. So right, that's okay. why it's Talacan and not Atlantis. But so what happens is they had this plant that grew in their soil, and what they didn't realize is that they had vibranium buried underneath their soil, which changed the plant. And when you consume the plant, essentially, it changed your whole a, a, biology a, yeah yeah but biology essentially yeah yeah essentially that they, they morphed these people morphed they gave them gills they gave them enhanced strength durability and the uh, ability to communicate with them with each other and underwater sea creatures essentially but they decided to go and live under the sea permanently when namor saw the the colonization of his land by Spanish colonies, essentially. He thought, like, all humans are horrible scum. We're going to just live under the sea now. And they've been there for, like, 600 years, and they haven't emerged since, pretty much. I mean, D D Dave, is, is that about right? That's essentially it, yeah. So the, the, uh, by rewriting this backstory, Kugler opens up the film to explore a variety of themes, including slavery, colonialism, genocide, the oppressions and destructions of indigenous civilizations by white colonizers, and also the roles that more powerful countries or governments play in pitting smaller nations against one another in pursuit of new weapons and wealth. So all of this, it sounds really, really interesting and it's really well intentioned and it's good on paper. But when you add in all of the story points and the subject matter I mentioned before, and the fact that it is the 30th Marvel film, it just becomes a bit too much. It becomes big, bloated slog to get through it's two hours and 40 minutes it's one of the longest films in the mcu to date and as i said before being the 30th installment in the franchise as well so you would perhaps expect at times for it to drag a little bit or you would perhaps at times expect it to feel a little bit copy and paste superhero movie you know because all superhero movies have got to have a certain amount of things that happen they've got to have this big boss fight they've got to have special effects and massive explosions etc etc and this film does that but it does it much more frequently than it should given all of the things i've just mentioned before not enough time is given to the interesting themes and several storylines or moments are quickly glossed over in favor of big spectacle superhero guff including unfortunately so the death of jatala sorry t'challa which is over and done within the first five minutes of the film wakanda forever is a film that deals with grief and death more so than any other film in the mcu but it also tries to focus on far too many elements whilst also being a big superhero blockbuster and it ultimately means that there's not enough time and focus on these points that are needed for them to resonate so although there is an incredible amount of potential there by the final act it's dissolved into just another superhero film okay um dave it sort of misses its own point a little bit here it sounds like you know it could have it had some good things it could have picked up on 
instead it sort of went on for sort of this sort of tacked on nonsense that they sort of made up uh, instead of exploring the interesting themes that it could have what 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 went wrong dave um well i, I disagree with some of those key points to be honest with you i disagree that that it missed the point that it, it goes on down these avenues and doesn't explore things properly. You just have to look at the runtime. Yes, this is a long film. This does clock in, I think, uh, over two and a half hours. It is a long film. But the reason for that is, as I mean, Gav used the word overstuffed, which I don't think is quite right. But I think it's thorough is essentially what we're going for here. And they had a script. They were pretty much ready um, to make this film and then sadly chadwick boseman passed away and ryan coogler was left with the impossible task of how do you keep this franchise going black panther means so much to people you know mcu's big don't get me wrong but black panther in particular connected with a lot of people a lot of people really enjoyed that first film and he felt an obligation to keep it going then chadwick boseman would have wanted him to keep it going but he had an impossible task in front of him how do you recover from the death of your star and such an iconic star, such a well-liked star. And at the same time, make a film that has, you know, a, a coherent plot that has that point to make while at the same time paying due respect to the star that kept everyone together and that made the first film the success that it was. And he did it. It's, it's an awful task to be faced with, but he did it. And the expense was the film's a bit long, but that's all. But it's thorough and it covers things it gives us due course to to look at the life of the child and see his impact on other people you don't want to dwell on on chadwick boseman himself too much it's too sad you get the funeral at the start of the film and the the death off screen of t'challa and after that you see the cats cast dealing with their grief and kind of channeling it it must have been kind of cathartic in a way to channel it through their characters they can mourn t'challa and the actors themselves can mourn their colleague chadwick boseman uh, who meant a lot to so many of them you just have to see the interviews from the cast to see how beloved he really was and while at the same time, they're making a film. They're making a film that is for entertainment purposes, that has a good plot, an interesting villain. And, you know, it's got a, it introduces some new characters to breathe some new life into the Marvel franchise. Because it is, like, as we say, it is kind of rambling along a little, shall we say, after Endgame. It's, it's struggling to get restarted. It's like it turned the engine off and now it's just the, the key's turning over in the engine. Nothing's quite coming to life and we're wondering why. Um, but introducing new characters that people can connect with is the way to do it. That's why Ironheart is here. We're going to see a lot more from Riri Williams down the line. And at the same time, you got... I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say, no, no more who um, has come into a lot of criticism here, especially the, the origin story of Namor and how it has differed from his Marvel Comics origin. I think they did an amazing job with Namor. I love this reimagining of him. The issue they always had with Namor in the comic books, and it's an issue they would have had now, is that he being Atlantean, he was always just called the, uh, the Marvel Aquaman. Aquaman came along first, I believe, and even if he didn't, he was more successful than the more. More people picked up issues of his comics. So the more was always kind of second fiddle to him. Take away the Atlantean bit, you lose that comparison. So you're not going to have Tinoch Hurta being compared to Jason Momoa or this film being compared to Aquaman or anything else like that. It's his own thing now. It's different. And it's different enough that, you, you know, you're not making those Aquaman comparisons. Even the nature of the character being more anti-hero than hero. Like, he's got a good point. He, he doesn't attack until he himself is attacked, until his people are threatened. That's the only reason he comes to the surface and feels the need to fight back. He's not a villain. 
You know, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's particularly ruthless in the way he goes about seeing his endgame. Much like Killmonger in a lot of ways. That's why he's such a fascinating character and why I hope we'll see a lot more of him as the franchise goes on. I, I like the changes they made. Some of them were forced. You know, the hand was forced by losing Chadwick Boseman, but whether forced or chosen, the choices they've made have been exceptional. And I think they've really um, brought Marvel back on track here. Thank you, Dave. Um, a lot to get into there, uh, Aussie. Um, like, if you, any points you got on story, but then maybe if we move on to, because a big part of watching, you know, everyone likes the story, but a big part of it's the action. So anything you want to come back on story, and then maybe if you move us into talking about the special yeah. effects and the big set pieces. Yeah, completely. I mean, Gav hit the nail on the head that this is overstuffed. You know, it's two and a, over two and a half hours long. A huge chunk of that is expository dialogue just explaining nonsense stuff like trying to give you a bit of backstory of all of these new these new people or trying to explain decisions you know we've always been i'm a big fan of and i think you are as well of show not tell you know if you're in a film you're a visual media show it you've got the opportunity to show me a whole host of things in a few minutes long instead of a big explanation and there's so much of that in this film within each piece of the story you know on the whole the story when you break it down into what happens you'd be like yeah okay that's not a bad film but it's really like it pains me to say it's really boring because it's so long like the first five minutes that's a very beautiful touching uh, funeral scene and actually the last five minutes is another very beautiful, quite emotive piece. Um, and then you can sort of, you know, it's top and tail by these two scenes where you're like, yeah, that's that's nice. That's a very touching um, little homage to, uh, you know, to their, um, to a lost hero, essentially, you know, to something that, that he's meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, but, but the rest of the film is just made up of just so many things. It felt like it. I mean, and I guess this is probably the case for quite a while now, but I didn't notice it until Endgame, really, is that everything is now an advert for the next Marvel uh, film. You know, who the hell's Ironheart? Why is she even in this? There's no need for her to have um, to to have, have been brought in whatsoever. That she, she had no real consequence to the thing. You know, some some kid invented the the method of, of finding vibranium and yet she wasn't under any sort of security whatsoever she's just in uni as normal like there's just so many nonsense points about this and then she comes along i don't think you actually get told she's called iron heart whatsoever the only reference is that for some reason when she's building a brand new uh iron man suit she welds her little heart out of a, a piece of it and one can only assume it's vibranium but she welds a little heart on it and then suddenly Oh, a dying heart. Everybody love her. And then we're basically treated to... It's quite on the nose, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I think the heart's made out of iron. I get it. It's actually the weak point of the, of the suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole suit's vibrating apart from the big cover in her heart, <laughs> which is made out of tinfoil. <laughs> a, a bit like Iron Man, in that his heart was also the weakest point of the, uh, exactly. the suit. Lit up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost like a target for... <laughs> 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 but you know like we were basically then treated to a little period of sort of iron girl versus aquaman you know that was that that was very much a thing which which struck me 
And then after that, she just disappears. There's no need for her whatsoever. Um, you know, Dave said that it was thorough and, and well-addressed. And, and, and like I say, there were so many, there's so many beautiful shots at face value. But then when actually you go, if you do ever like watch it with maybe a slightly more critical eye, and I think maybe you would more so than I did first time through, is that it feels like everything shot on a green screen. Like, I don't think they had anything that was on a set anywhere. It felt really, it felt a bit cheap. If I'm absolutely honest, the sets are incredible. Like the, the, the costumes are incredible, but everything felt like, um, like a bit of, like poor CGI. So like if you ever, when, when Ironheart does pop up in this new suit, it looked nothing like, uh, the quality of rendering of, of the Iron Man suit in um, in like Endgame or in um, Infinity War, you know that was a movie that had a lot of money spent on it and a lot of time, and it felt like I actually felt like this felt rushed. I know Joel mentioned that this one wasn't rushed. This is where all of the attention was diverted to, but I think it felt rushed. And and you know I think they've done a good job considering the circumstances. That yes, this was probably years in the making prior. To, uh, to Chadwick Boseman's death, and then they had, did have to quickly rework some stuff. But they should have just taken more time. And, and I don't want to take anything away from the actual acting. I think everyone does a really good job of of what they're given. I don't think any, I mean, none of it was Oscar-worthy, no offence to Angela, you know, she uh, obviously did a, <laughs> she's done a great job, but none of it was Oscar-worthy. As Ozzy's co-prosecutor, I'd like to say I don't agree with that. That is, that is a <laughs> shot across agree. the bow right there. I honestly I don't think... Well, they shoot each other, Dave. Let them, show, let them do it. <laughs> but, I, but I don't think that's because of the actors themselves. I think it's because of the material that they were given with. It was just, it was just a bit... It was boring. Just to say about your point about it being rushed, and I actually think it was rushed, and I disagree with what Joel said before because I read somewhere that it wasn't a case of all all resources being diverted to Wakanda Forever. It was resources being split between Ant Man three and Wakanda Forever, which made I think both of the films suffer a little bit. But I do think it was rushed. There were rewrites that had to be done at several points. It had to be shut down several occasions because of COVID and then also because of Omicron as well. So the, it, I think that initially it had an X week or X month shooting schedule that was drastically cut because of COVID, which is probably why some of it does feel feel a bit rushed. So I, I would just back on your point, to be honest, does he? There was also um, Letitia Wright's injury, which yes. shut down yeah. shooting for a few months. Uh, so yeah, the, the odds was the cards were stacked against them at certain times. And didn't Ryan Coogler get mistakenly arrested at some point as well? Um, because that might come up in my quiz, I'm neither going to confirm or deny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cards were stacked against them, and that was that come directly from the defense there. And you know what? The dealer always wins. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Brilliant. There we go. I don't, I don't think you've been playing poker right if the dealer's winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you really need to get out that game, Ozzy. He's, he's taking you for a ride there massively. <laughs> right. I like we talked a lot about story now, so I'd like to move on from that. And I want to talk about the other elements of this film, especially action. Like I've not heard much about the set pieces. I've heard a bit. I've heard a bit about the not the CGI not being so good. You know, people have read different things about money going in different places. But you know, at the end of the day, you can you can make some good action 
on a budget. Uh, so will I be bowled over by any set pieces? Any memorable stuff? Anything that's a bit different to the usual? Joel? There's so many good kind of individual set pieces here because they really make the most of the characters because each one almost has like their own little war kind of going on. Like, for example, you know, a, a Koye gets challenged by one of the kind of head generals of the um, underwater people, and they ha kind of have their own little thing. And obviously, it's all um, very much kind of uh, how to describe it, like, you know, the kind of native fighting style that they use um, in the Dormalage, which are the, the Wakandan guard. So some of the choreography for the fights is absolutely amazing you know you have people pitted against each other that are you know a mismatch you know i mentioned okoye and um the guy's called a tumor i think but he's like a really big muscly guy and he almost taunts her and obviously she's kind of like a smaller and agile fighter but one of my favorite set pieces is basically namor and his army show up at wakanda and they basically flood wakanda and that's essentially also how um, how the queen dies. She basically drowns trying to save Ironheart. Um, so she kind of sacrifices herself to save uh, this kid. Uh, but that set piece is absolutely amazing. Uh, just the kind of cinematography of it, the whole uh, aspect of Namor kind of really showcasing his power. Like he, he's got little wings on his ankles, kind of like... Um, Hermes, if you like, and he flies about with a big, uh, with a big staff. And yeah, it... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I sorry, like how Alex it. laughed initially, but then was like when you mentioned Hermes, he was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, it sounds fucking awful, but I know it's going to be better when I watch it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like I've just got a guy with like wings on his ankles and just a big stick going around like twatting people around the head. It's obviously, do you know what I mean? Well, well if you imagine, um, you know, uh, uh, another Greek reference like a trident like Poseidon, it's, it's that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've sold it to you a bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, I mean, that set piece is excellent because obviously it ends with the, with the Queen's death and um, we we already spoke about the emotion running through the film but the, it's all the way through this you know the the queen dies as well and there's also a part where shuri gets kidnapped um which is earlier on and that's another action set piece and you know the queen basically loses her shit then she says like she's lost her son she's now lost her daughter and she basically kind of um, almost uh, vilifies like a Koye for, for letting that happen. But then obviously you've got the massive set piece at the end, which is Wakanda against the sea people. And that set piece again is just excellent. You know, uh, Gav and Ozzy basically compared it to other Marvel projects. And it's just, honestly, it's night and day, like the comparisons. Like, uh, as I mentioned, I saw Ant-Man recently. And I was really looking forward to that. Obviously, Kang being like the main villain there. And it was just a complete letdown. Like... The fight at the end, you know, Ant-Man against Kang, and it was just it, there was basically no action in it at all. It was it was it was almost like you know, blink and you'll miss it. But there was none of that here. Um, the action was, as I say, all, all really well choreographed. You, as you mentioned again, like a green screen, and you, it, it's a, it's really well done. Um, the budget obviously was very high here, and I think they they used it all really really well because I think they knew. As everybody has already mentioned, what's at stake here? You know, Black Panther is obviously entrenched is in people people's heart. 
even more so now uh, after what happened to to Chadwick Boseman and also kind of honoring like you know the different cultures and things like that that, that appear here so I think Marvel were really really determined to get this one right and I think they they smashed it out the park in terms of the action it, it's definitely the best action since Endgame and the action in this film for for two and a half hours as well they've just got a, a whole multitude of set pieces which are which are just really good i'm not gonna like i've uh joel's just lit a fire under me there i'm uh i'm pretty excited uh let's say gav um do you want to piss full over that i mean i, I think the respect being it, the disrespect being shown to shang chi is is awful i think that is probably the best film of phase five altogether wait is and, that the rings yeah 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 and no i gav i went to see that with you so i know that's not true no like aussie no 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 we're not having perjury uh aussie you 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 jump in i'll tell tell you what right if if you didn't like that film then i'll tell you right now you're not gonna like you're definitely not gonna like wakanda forever right you mentioned about the action this film can be boiled down to four action set pieces and at two hours and 40 minutes i don't think that's enough you and Joel mentioned what if they're 20 minutes each or what, sorry? 20, what if they're like 10 20 minutes each <laughs> unfortunately they're not unfortunately they're not, I, mean, I would love it to be like John Wick 4 where you know we have these massive long set pieces this is where you say piece. like the battle of Helm's Deep is just well, it's just one set piece though isn't yeah. it <laughs> I don't think you can compare the siege of Wakanda to the battle of Helm's Deep to be honest there's the first one is by the very beginning the CIA trying to source vibranium from the ocean floor and they jump by Neymar and his gang then his the second gang. one is there's a fight on a on his gang and his mates and the lads and then the, while Shuri and Akaya are trying to um, rescue Riri Williams because Namor basically wants to destroy the person that's created this technology that can find out where vibranium is. So they go on this mission to MIT to basically rescue Riri Williams. Namor stops them. They have a little bit of a fight on the bridge. The third one is, as Joel mentioned before, the siege on Wakanda. And then the fourth one is the final battle at the very end. That's it. And if, and a lot of the rest of it is just conversations. Joel mentioned before about a rescue attempt or so a Dave of um, Shuri from the very, very underwhelming Talakan, which bearing in mind uh, uh, what we were saying before, the, the money that's been spent on this, the fact that this is a whole new world that they can visit, underwater paradise, it's very underwhelming. We only see it very briefly. And then the rest of it or, or the, the bulk of their time in Talakan is essentially in like a hut or or a cave, a hut or a cave. And it's like, you know, you've got this unexplored, vast underwater city. And that could be anywhere. That could literally be anywhere apart from, you know, obviously it's underwater. Uh, so it does feel very... <laughs> so it could really like Except above water, in which case... It could be any, any cave below water. <laughs> but, and, and the whole rescue there, I thought there was going to be this big Mission Impossible-style rescue sequence, but it just was over very, very quickly, very simply as well. It felt like, as I said before, a number of other things in this film, which just feel very rushed, very glossed over there's the return of everett ross played by martin freeman essentially all of his scenes can be removed from this film 
and it wouldn't impact it in the slightest bit. His scenes are solely there just to set up future Disney Plus projects, as Ozzy alluded to before. And I just think that the biggest criticism of this is that at two hours, 40 minutes, there's not enough action. And when the action does arrive, it just feels like another Marvel film. At the end, there's this big final fight sequence. Joel mentioned before that you have these little uh, sub-fights, which I, I would disagree. I think they're glossed over as well. Like Joel mentioned that Okoye is essentially beaten on the bridge, and that looks like it's been building. We think that there's going to be a big final fight between those two characters, glossed over in about 15 seconds. And the rest of the fight just feels like it could have been plucked out of Endgame or Infinity War or any other Marvel film. It's just a big CGI mess, which, as Ozzy said, films all on a green screen. There's no sort of tangible element to it at all. It just feels like very uninspiring and it's just ultimately a little disappointing. Not enough going on in a film that's got way more than enough time for it to be going on, Dave. What's happening? Um, I, I still disagree, to be honest with you. I'm hearing it's overstuffed, and at the same time, they're skipping over things. And, you know, everything seems so rushed. It's, like, it, it, it's not. It's it's full to the brim of many different aspects that make this a good film. you got this the heart of the story there. you got these action set pieces. you got new characters being introduced. Yes, there's a lot going on, but I wouldn't say overstuffed. And I'd say everything is given the right amount of screen time to be honest with you. And there's, there's a lot going on. That is why it just can justify its runtime. But you're entertained throughout. There's enough going on here. You've not just got action set pieces, which, as Joel mentioned, are numerous. You've got this great character development going on. This has got a heart that most Marvel films have skipped over. You know, this has got a very real grief at its core and very real character development going on. You know, you look at Letitia Wright in particular, who kind of well, both her character, Shuri, and, and Letitia Wright herself have been given a mantle that neither of them really wanted, neither of them really expected to have, uh, all because of the death of T'Challa or Chadwick Boseman. And now they've got a, Shuri's got to basically lead the country. Letitia Wright has got to lead this franchise. It wasn't expected, but they've handled it particularly well. You know, as, as uh, a protagonist, Letitia Wright has taken to this. You know, the, the franchise will survive with her at the helm there is no no doubt you know and this film was basically a whole new reintroduction to the new black panther she's not going to be just a carbon copy of chadwick boseman she's going to be a very different character do her own thing and you know you got all these aspects around her she also loses her mother in this film in queen ramonda that is just another aspect of grief to be included this film is more emotional punch than most MCU films. You know, you think of them as comic book films or, you know, just uh, just uh, for action or, you know, popcorn entertainment. There is so much more to Wakanda Forever than that. There is a real heart and it's broken and it's at the center of this film. And it's, it's devastating at times because there is some real grief going on. So although the action is great, when it does come along, you know, it's there because this is a comic book movie. It's got to drive the plot along. There is, There are action elements, but there is so much more going on, and it's not overstuffed, and it's not glossed over. It is given a respectful amount of time to be dealt with. The film wouldn't have succeeded if you cut it down much shorter. If you were missing these elements, these parts that hold it together, you've got this perfect jigsaw ahead of you. You start taking bits out, you're missing the full picture. Yeah, you might have been out of the cinema faster, but is that what's important? No. It's not, Dave. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> He's right, isn't he, Aussie? What Dave is, is a great orator, right? 
<laughs> very good. I don't know what that means, Ozzy. <laughs> I don't know the meaning don't of the worry, word. Don't worry, I am about to <laughs> in my, my version of the word. Do not panic. He is great at twisting um, what it what is essentially a film that's got some nice parts to it um, to make it sound a lot better than it is. Because what it does have is at the start and the end are two very nice, emotionally poignant pieces. And what it has throughout are a hell of a lot of storylines which could have been dealt with in a, you know, a huge, hugely greater detail. However, they're not. They're just sort of touched upon for just about enough time for them to pull you into the next scene or they have the really long piece. So, so while Dave is right that it's made up of loads and loads of jigsaw pieces, which if you take anyone you know take some of them out then the film doesn't make sense what you get home earlier you could have taken three or four out and you'd have had a significantly better film that would have ended in 90 minutes or 110 minutes like a good classic marvel film and it would have been action-packed and they'd have saved some for a, a sequel without having to lead all the way up right the way through to say oh by the way you're going to get more neymar at the end of this even though he was just beaten by a little kid Who's, uh, who's now become Black Panther. This guy is going to be a big boss. It was just like, I didn't even touch upon him before, but so if, eventually, so basically Neymar, the, the god of the sea, the, how's this guy going to be such a beast? He, you know, he's, he can't even be a little kid. Dave, did you want to jump in? I, I just wanted to say that she is infused with the purple heart herb at this point. So, you know, she's more than just a little kid. She is embodied with the spirit of the Black Panther now. She does have that superhuman strength that goes with the, the, the super suit as well you know but so to say she robbed his purple heart yeah he's got the herb as well you know that's why he's such a boss you know the an average mortal could not take on namor but but the black panther can and that's the point (laughs) that's why they needed a black panther that is why you know so they've got to reinvent the herb they've got to make a synthetic herb and that's why someone's got to take on the mantle that's why you know you you got to go on you got to continue you need to fight Yes, Dave always finishes with such wise words. Do you know what I mean? I don't think. Yeah, yes, Dave. Yes, you yes. do have to. Yes, you, you do. do have to. You do have to. Right. Um, I feel like you know I'm starting to get a really good picture of this now. So, I'd, I'd like to talk because we haven't talked as much about performances. I feel like we need to do a you know let's go into performances a bit, and then sort of think maybe as you're doing it, think about you know any last business you want to bring into before I uh, I bring the hammer down on Wakanda forever. Um. Anyone want to go first? Dave. I'll go first. I've already mentioned Letitia Wright uh, and the mantle that she's been passed as well as her character having been passed. And she does an exemplary do- uh, job as the protagonist here. She's fantastic. And I also want to say that you know, the supporting cast here are brilliant. Lupita Nyong'o, who we haven't seen since the first Black Panther film, you know, she skipped out all the Wakanda bits in Endgame and Infinity War. She's back. She's great. Uh, it's a pleasure to watch her on screen. You got Angela Bassett, who got Oscar nominated. The the oh, actually, I'm not going to say that fact because that's in my quiz as well. But she <laughs> got an Oscar <laughs> nomination for this. She lost out unfortunately on on the night. But you know, just to be nominated was was a great achievement for her, and she did deserve this nomination. You know that the emotional uh, core of this of this film of her performance it, it was it's devastating to watch it's heartbreaking to watch at times she was fantastic she is the you know the queen of of wakanda who has lost as she said in the trailer in one of the most iconic lines of the film she has given everything 
and it's all been taken away from she has nothing left to show for it she's you'd think she was broken but for the fact that she is so strong and she keeps on going you know that's uh that's a hell of a character that ryan coogler has written here and that angela bassett has performed you got winston duke uh denai guerrera florence kasumba uh michaela cole you, you got these great supporting cast of the wakandans you know these formidable fighters who also uh are adept at delivering lines of humor of empathy of pathos they're great dominic thorne is a newcomer as riri williams she will continue in this in the marvel franchise we've not seen the last of ironheart there's a lot more from her to come and i'm looking forward to it she's in this role she brings a lot of humor i think you know a lot of young naivety to the role but also you know she's very competent uh very good engineer but also there is a lot of humor she gets a lot of the funniest lines and also finally uh tino suerta who uh, as Namor, I think, was sensational. I love the reimagining of the character. I disagree just quickly. I disagree with what Gav said about Talokan not looking good. It, it, it looked great. I loved the throne room design, you know, because um, he, he's he's revered um, by the Talokan as uh, Kuklukan, who is a serpent god. Uh, Mayan serpent god. So that's a little bit of more Mayan mythology in there. Um, because yeah, he's Meso this Mesoamerican Talakan. So you got these different kinds of architecture. Uh Kukulkan was Mayan, the Talakan themselves were Aztecs. You got different aspects of it going on, all incorporated throughout the Talakan cityscape. And the throne room with like the uh what looked like uh, a megalodon kind of jaw framing his throne. It it looks fantastic, it really does. Um but Namor's performance I thought was fantastic. I love the reimagining, I love the actor they got to play him. What can I say? This is uh Pretty good job by the casting department here. Yeah, what's not to like? I'm not going to disagree too much with what Dave said because Dave's talked about the performances, and I think the performances are good. The issue I have are the characters, which I think are very underdeveloped or weak. And Ozzy hinted at one before one of my biggest criticisms is the character of Riri Williams, aka Ironheart. And I don't want to already add to the already huge pile of superhero origin movies and stories, but I do think that Ironheart was somebody who probably should have had their own separate story. The character is essentially a super genius who goes to MIT and reverse engineers her own Iron Man suit using parts found at the university. Now, that'd be a hard enough sell without any build to it at all. But the first we hear about the character is that they've built this machine to detect vibranium that can go into the sea and detect a vibranium on the ocean floor as part of a school project in addition to time spent fixing up classic cars and building their own iron man suit as well it, it's you know the superhero genre is all about suspension of disbelief what, what were you doing at school gav do you know what i mean you were watching critics five weren't you that's <laughs> what that's all you four. did and, critics for yeah. sorry in space critics in space you know, that's all you were doing I, I, listen I, i'm not saying that, that like you know it's marvel marvel films are like suspension of the disbelief but the speed in which the character is introduced and all of this information provided to us and before before the story actually moves on it, it all happens so so quickly it just pulls you out of the film a little bit you know and it's a little bit like hang on what <laughs> she, she, she just she just did that in well, a couple of weekends you know it was similar to ant-man 3 there's a bit where we're told cassie has built a transmitter to the quantum realm to talk to people in the quantum realm in a spare time. I think the writers at this point are just like, fuck it, we'll just write it. It's, it's Marvel. So There's someone you know, in the room going like, yeah. no, don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, that sounds a little bit, uh, just, do we not think that? Fuck it. No, we've got a guy <laughs> with wings on his ankles flying around with a big stick. It, fuck it. Um, but you know, uh, after being introduced, 
and then being like this pseudo damsel in distress, the character becomes a bit of an afterthought until the very end when they ingeniously discover a way of combating the seemingly impervious Namor. But similar to her introduction, this is just really skimmed over. Angela Bassett, brilliant, yes. However, the death of Queen Ramona, I just don't understand why they would include that in a film that already focuses on the passing of a key, if not the key character in T'Challa. Ramona's death felt much less impactful because of this and was perhaps glossed over in the editing process because a big chunk of the beginning of the, fo in the film focused on T'Challa's funeral. So they were probably like, oh, we don't want to do another funeral. So fuck it, let's just move on. And then the, the passing of the Black Panther torch, it was teased throughout, but it didn't happen until like the last 30 minutes or so. Michaela Cole uh, was in this film. When I heard that she'd been cast, I was like, amazing. But then you watch the film and then she's got two lines in it. I completely forgot she was in it until I rewatched it again. And to have somebody of her acting ability and writing ability just as some superfluous character, it just felt really disappointing, to be honest. Dave mentioned about M'Baku and Okoye. Once again, they don't have a lot of focus in this film, nowhere near as much as they did in the first film, which is the most disappointing part. It feels like they're more like supporting characters now, whereas in the first film, they felt more, it just felt more like a group project. And, you know, I understand that the main focus of this film is the rivalry between Shuri and Namor, but it feels like to the detriment of other characters. And one final point, even though Shuri does have a lot of development in this film and really goes through an emotional journey to become Black Panther. As Ozzy was saying before, I feel like the actual transition is an afterthought. Maybe they've done it as like a tease, even though it was revealed in the trailer. She kind of goes away and just appears in the suit and she's like, oh, I'm ready. Here we go. That's, I'm, I'm up for it now. And once again, you know, I know the whole suspension of disbelief thing, but I also found it a little unconvincing that she was so readily able to become the new Black Panther. You know, I fully accept that Shuri is one of, or if not the smartest characters in all of the MCU, but she's not one that's known for her fighting abilities. And I know that ingesting the heart-shaped hair grams you powers, but surely that has got to be accommodated by some sort of training as well. You know, uh, not to bang on about Atman 3 again, but there's a parallel there when Scott Lang goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kang, uh, Kang, who is a man who has fought and defeated countless Avengers in, a, in an even battle with a bloke who just wears a suit, the trinks. You know, it he felt just a little bit like that. Marvel which... with one of your favorite franchises. If if there's a need to ever put it on the shit list, then there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be... And I've, I've just remembered as well the... Um, like, Naki as well, which I thought was, like, really interesting. The fact that we, we were introduced to it, reintroduced to her halfway through the film. She's been away from Wakanda for six years. Ever since the snap, she moved away. Um, she like kind of isolated herself. T'Challa came back, then died. She hadn't been back to Wakanda. She didn't go to his funeral. And she's asked to come back and be a super secret spy and rescue Shuri, essentially. And then later on, the very, very last end credit scene, we see when she actually returns to her home, she's got a, a secret kid. And it's like, like T'Challa's kid. And it's like, hang on, why the fuck? I mean, I understand the sort of like, oh, hey, look, we're looking at the future. But wouldn't you have mentioned your child at any point during the entire two hour 40 runtime? Even the bit where you're like, hang on, son, I'm just off to Wakanda to be a spy and potentially get murdered. I'll see you in a bit. You know, it just felt a little bit like an unnecessary reveal. 
they're talking a bit of shit here, Brucey, to be honest, because the, the reason... <laughs> yeah, this is... The, I like the way Joel just the, cuts the reason right they, through. The, the, yeah. the child isn't revealed is because, obviously, like, Namor would instantly go to kill the child, so that's why she, keeps, he... in, she keeps in hidden, because he is the leader... Well, he, he w- will be the future king of Wakanda. Um, and they also... Okay, guys. No, no, right, guys. I'm just as the judge. I'm just going to jump in here and just say stop, just for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to ask Joel and Ozzy, just because I haven't heard as much from you in the last little bit. Just any final little points, and then we'll just and we're all going to we're all going to behave, and we're all going to stop now. We're not going to talk about purple flowers and name or killing children anymore. I okay. Gav. Gav. That's your first warning, okay? <laughs> Joel, uh, can you please just any final points uh, and wrap it up? Just just some last little things to put into my head before I judge it. I'd just say, just listen to what me and Dave have said and just disregard everything that the other yeah. two have said. No, no, I mean, yeah, no, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> Ozzy, I mean, any, any last-ditch attempts? Uh, only a quick one. Like, There's, there's some films that we, we put on this which are you know greater than the of their individual parts this, this is not one of them this has got so many parts and so many individual items which you could say yeah that's good oh that's got a good promise but when you mash them all together it it, it just detracts it's it's a real waste of two hours and 40 minutes of your time to watch this it's a real shame um that it, also, it you just told me you spent like two hours and 40 minutes shaving your head so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, no waste of time. That's, that's take it slowly, treat yourself. Yeah, I could and I could have I could have done this a week earlier if I'd have not watched uh forever. <laughs> so basically grow my hair out and then I'll uh, I'll I'll enjoy watching Wakanda forever. All right. <laughs> Thanks guys. Um yeah, so I've got you know got a little bit of deliberating to do. Uh Dave, I hear you've got a quiz that's uh, popped up every now and again. Yep, yep, it's popped up because I've nearly given away like half the answers to it. <laughs> it is it is quite simply a true or false quiz, nice and simple, about Wakanda Forever and some trivia from behind the scenes. Um so let's see who was paying attention because I'm sure we have given a few of these away. First of all, true or false, Chadwick Bozeman is the first person to have the opening Marvel Studio logo montage dedicated to him. Bam. Mm, true. False. So false from Gav. That's a true from Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, Stanley before Chadwick. That's what you got to work out. No, bam, false. I think Stanley might have gone before. No, I think false as well. That is points for Alex, Gav, and Joel. It was Stanley uh, in 2019 who got the first montage tribute. Uh, true or false? James Cameron objected to the blue design of the Talacan soldiers, given that he was due to release. Really? I'm going to go through that sounds, sounds right. proper James Cameron to the ground. What, he, 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 anything blue, James Cameron now says is copyrighted. <laughs> anything blue, aquatic, and produced by Disney, I think he, uh, sure. he might take umbrage I'm, with. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be for once stick it up for James Cameron. I'm gonna say no. Surely that's false. They're so very similar, though. It's got to be definitely true. true. Yeah, but they 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 didn't even live in the water till the second film, did they? What do you think, Joel? True or false? I think it's true. It sounds like him. That's a point. The Gav James Cameron. I'm not saying he's not that petty, but maybe you just uh, had his head too far up his ass to notice. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, disclaimer: we uh, we we don't associate ourselves with Dave, and I will not 
join in any legal action with him if you want to soon. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's not what you said after we watched Avatar 2, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Key witness for the, uh, for the prosecution. Uh, question number three, true or false? Angela Bassett is the first actor to play a Marvel Comics character and receive an Oscar nomination. Ooh, uh, true. I don't think of anyone else, true. For the Marvel character. For playing a Marvel character. I uh, didn't. Um, well, I, he didn't get one, did he? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. I'm going to say true as well. I'm going to go false just to be different, but I don't know anybody else. <laughs> that is a point of Gav, Alex, and Austin. Uh, it is true. She is the first. There have been, I think, seven actors that have been nominated for playing comic book characters, but she's the first from a Marvel produced comic book or comic strip or graphic novel whatever you want to call it uh, and that's one of the facts i nearly gave away while we were doing the trial uh, <laughs> true or false winston duke improvised the line you bald-headed demon <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go true it almost sounds too witty for the yeah true right yeah it... false <laughs> I think either alex or austin should have that as their new handle <laughs> <laughs> i'd like that that'd be one of the better nicknames i've you heard bald-headed been. demon <laughs> <laughs> What are we saying, Ozzy? True or false? I'm going to say true. True. Uh, that is a point to everyone apart from Alex. Uh, it is true. He did improvise that line. Number five, El Templo, which is the most recognizable Mesoamerican monument from the site of Chichen Itza, is a temple to Kuklukan, who was uh, the nickname given to Namor in this. Is that true or false? True. False, I think. False. Uh, I'm going to go with true. Uh, is a point to Austin and Joel. It is true. Ooh. Question number six. T. Notch Huerta couldn't swim when he was given the role of Namor. <laughs> Probably fucking true, because I bet you he didn't even... I bet, I bet the actor didn't even step forward. Went near <laughs> So just fucking CGI. I'm going to go with false. False, um, I hope. Uh, that's a point to Gavin Austin. It is true. He could not <laughs> swim. Um, wow. A surprising... A lot of the film was actually shot legitimately underwater. It's not It's not that much CGI. Uh, so, yes, swimming was a requirement. So a lot of the cast and crew, including Ryan Coogler, had to learn how to swim uh, for this film. Wow. Um, when he was asked during his audition if he could swim, Tino Schroeder replied kind of cryptically, I've never drowned before, <laughs> which would be true, but it doesn't necessarily mean he can swim. Uh, and he had eight months of lessons before, he, yeah, before filming started. True or false, in the original draft, for the script, Winston Duke's Mbaku was to be the main villain of the film, and the more was included after rewrites following the death of Chadwick Boseman. I'm gonna go with false. Yeah, I'm gonna go with false as well. I reckon Neymar's been on the cards for a while. I'm gonna stay with the crowd this time and say false. You are all correct. It is false. Although Winston Duke did speak to Ryan Coogler about Mbaku becoming a villain. They decided against it in the end. Namor was included, as you say, long before Bozeman passed. Bozeman was actually very excited about the project uh, and very keen on Namor being the bad guy. True or false, makeup artist Joel Harlow used spray paint to make it quicker and easier to paint the actors playing the Talakans blue. <laughs> True. True. Oh, they'd be in water, wouldn't they? I don't know. True. Uh, you're mm. all wrong. He used a paint roller. 
Wow. Apparently that was better than the aerosol. So yeah. Wow. I just I just have visions of him with like a Dulux tray and like a paint roller <laughs> <laughs> painting like fifty to sixty odd people every day. True or false, Dominic Thorne was Ryan Coogler's second choice to play Shuri and only just lost out to Letitia Wright. Uh, true. 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 Yeah, true. You're all right, that is true. So he was delighted for the chance to finally work with her again. And final he question. He gave her exactly the same character, though, isn't he? Ah, that, 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 trial's <laughs> over, Ozzy. Give it a rest. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> false. This is one that uh, Gav touched on before. Production was hampered by the misidentification and subsequent arrest of Winston Duke, who was mistaken for a bank robber and arrested while filming in Atlanta. True. True. God, I believe that. Yeah. False. It was the director and the writer as well. That is a point to Gav. It was Ryan Coogler who was misidentified and arrested, not Winston you Duke. tricky little son of a bitch sometimes in your quizzes, aren't you? That's what I do. That's, that's <laughs> how I get my joy from life. <laughs> uh, and after that, that is a decisive victory for Gav with a 7 out of 10. True or false questions correct. Well done. Wow. Well done, Gav. Let's see if you win the uh, the main event as well, eh? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought they were just like, no. Bitter <laughs> from the quiz. <laughs> Basically just bitter from the quiz. But look, I, I won't spend too long doing this. Uh, I'll go through the, the good points and the bad points, I think. I think it's a good handover. I don't think, you know, obviously... Uh, Ryan uh, Coogler, and he had the easiest job here with the death of Chadwick Boseman. But I, to be honest, I'm sound convinced that he did carry on a film that you know if you, you, know, you can argue about, but seems like it seems to make sense. And you know, T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman have been sort of you know well put to rest in within the franchise, and it, it sounds pretty good. I also believe that the action was good in this film so i want to see those action set pieces I, I i you know maybe the cgi is bad maybe it doesn't always make sense but i do get the feeling that i will enjoy that action it does sound a bit overstuffed it does sound like there's a lot going on and it does make me feel a bit like tired before watching it in that sense and it does sound like there's quite a lot of like just mad tacked on um nonsense do you know what i mean like you know hearing about the sea people and all of this stuff and the, you know and a woman making a um uh, thing out of an Iron Man suit. Um, but also, really, maybe that's not what I like in a film, but that's what people who go to a Marvel film quite like, I think. I think they like it being quite stuffed full of plot. I don't think they want, like, low, low long, slow, open bits without things going on. I think they like it quite pacey, and that's what it seems like. And, you know, we came then at the end towards the prop, you know, basically the thing seemed to be the performances were very good, or just good, but the characters weren't very good. And I think that's the way in a Marvel film you'd want it to be around. Like, I don't think that bothers me too much. If the characters aren't the best, but the performances are on point, then I feel like that doesn't isn't going to be taken away too much from the film. So even though I'm not sure I like this film, even though I'm sure a lot of the points I will agree with from the prosecution, I think this is a good Marvel film and a good superhero film. And so it's going on the hit list for me. Thanks very much, Alex. So, genuine opinions then. Starting with Joel. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the right decision. I agree with a lot of the stuff I said. Um, it's the best Marvel film since Endgame, and like, I would be very surprised if anybody disagreed with that. I did agree with some stuff that um, I think Gab said, especially the bit about Shuri just becoming 
like you know instantly amazing at, at martial arts and and fighting skills like this guy Nemo has been around for centuries just kicking ass and then she takes this plant and she's almost immediately able to defeat him so I didn't like certain aspects of it and I do think Ironheart was under kind of utilized as well so I think there were definitely some some down points but I think Namor especially was was a really big plus for this film I thought he was great and if he's included in the future you know he's definitely a strong character to kind of take the MCU forward because they're definitely lacking in those at the moment as I say it's 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 on the right list for me Thanks, Joel. So I thought it was good when David and I went to go and see it, although the whole day was pretty traumatic for several other reasons. <laughs> you remember, Dave? It was. Oh, I, I'm never going to forget it. <laughs> very, very chaotic day of <laughs> mismanagement on my part. But watching it back again, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, I think I remembered it being much better than it was. So when I watched it again, and maybe it's just that I've got the stink of Iron Man 3 in my nostrils. Uh, I, I couldn't help but draw parallels to that. If I, I was being, you know, serious-ish when I was talking about some of the plot points being a bit underwhelming or underdeveloped, especially the introduction of, as Joel said, Ironheart before and Shuri's character. Uh, but I do think that the performances were amazing. Letitia Wright, especially Angela Bassett, amazing. But yeah, I, I just, I, I do think that they made the right call with regards to changing Namor. And I think that his character was a brilliant addition and the performance was amazing as well. But I felt that there was, there was too much of sort of like time spent building up like Letitia writes Shuri to be the next Black Panther without actually put, putting in the groundwork, if that makes sense. So I would have rather her try to take him on, fail, then go away, have doubts, go and speak to Killmonger in a dream, then train up, then uh, like lose her mom, and then you know go back and fight. But there just seemed to be like a lot of moping and a lot of questioning of herself and what she's going to do and what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. And it just felt a little bit like, oh, come on, you know what I mean? Like, let's get to another action scene here, please. So, so what list would you put it on? I think it, I, I do think it's it, it's a good film, uh, and I, I I just think it's it's not it, it's just a disappointment because it's not it's nowhere near as good as Black Panther. So what list do you think I would have put on? I think for sure you you would have put it on the shit list. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Interesting. Uh, but uh, I, I do I do think it, it's a good film, and I do agree that it's one of the better uh, Phase 5 films. <laughs> That's not a great compliment, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's that, and then it's that Rings of Power, whatever it was, film, that Ten Rings of Shang-Chi. Like <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, right, well, you're definitely not gonna like Wakanda forever. Uh Austin, <laughs> what are your thoughts? I stand by pretty much all of my arguments. Is that the first scene was really poignant, the last scene was really poignant, and they actually that, that Rihanna song I think is really good and it fits well into the um into the piece. That's probably the only Oscar nomination I'd really agree with, just about maybe the, the, the costumes. But um I genuinely think that um it's got a bit of a, an over rating as a movie, but it's nice. I, I mean, I, I, but I think it's a nice uh, point. They've done a good job with what they've had to deal with. You know, to rewrite something at short notice, uh, 
to deliver something which uh, acts as a bit of a legacy to to, um, to to you know to their colleague and to a really well loved hero. You know, it's all right, but as a movie, it's uh, it's 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 not a good way to progress. They could have, they should have taken a big step back and decided what is it they're going to create out of this. Yeah, uh, Dave, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I stand by most of what I said. I liked it. It's on the right list, but I didn't love it. Uh, it's not the greatest Marvel film we've seen. Um, I, I would actually question whether it is the best of this this Phase Five. When did Spider Man come along? The uh, oh yeah, the last Spider Man. No yeah, I really enjoyed that. I'd, I'd say it was more that was more exciting than this. It's it does plod along a little. It does have a long runtime, and for the most part, it justifies it. You might find your attention waning a little in some of the slower scenes but it, there is a purpose to it you know there is a lot to fill in a lot to explain uh i think ryan coogler did an amazing job given the uh the the tragic loss of chadwick boseman how do you pull the franchise back from that he did it i, I wouldn't have even known where to begin but he did it uh and kudos to him uh i thought the cast were great i loved what they did with namor uh, to be honest with you i think it would have been a much more average film without such an interesting complex I want to say villain, but he's not a villain, anti-hero mm -hmm. kind of antagonist. Uh, I do hope we see a lot more of him. I hope we see a lot more of all of these characters, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's it's a good film. It's on the right list. It's not great, but you know, I think there was there was a definite purpose to this film. And in terms of giving Chadwick Boseman a respectful send-off uh, and appreciating all he did for MCU, I think it, it fit the bill perfectly. Thank you very much, Dave. So, higher or lower than our previous film on trial? Don't know why I'm even bothering doing this. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> it better be higher. It better a be little, higher. A little higher. It's higher. Like, I'll skip to the point. It's higher. It's much higher. 84% critical and 94% audience scores. Um, to be honest, I'm really interested to see what Alex thinks about this because I know that you're not the biggest Marvel fan. But I do think that, that you'll look at it with a critical and impartial eye. Well, always the first one, rarely the latter, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our Angela Bassett season continues and ends next week or in two weeks' time with our final Angela Bassett film, which is What's Love Got To Do With It?, which is the Tina Turner biopic, Aussie, not the film that's just come out about... <laughs> <laughs> assisted marriages so <laughs> please watch the right one all right we don't want to have another issue where you're talking about a film halfway through before we realize well, they made another mortal combat <laughs> <laughs> so yeah looking forward to that one just want to say thank you very much guys for all your arguments and thank you everyone who's listened to this really do appreciate you all taking the time out to listen to our show if you want more Films on Trial content, go on filmsontrial.co.uk, but you can check out some stuff like Patreon if we ever put anything on there. And uh, <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll maybe put something up there, but mainly main thing is taste. <laughs> yeah, just, please send us some money. We need the money to buy copies we'll of We'll give you days. things when you send us money and not, not a moment before. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check us out on all, all streaming uh, platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on all the socials, at Film Trials on Twitter, Films on Trials on everything else so what have we learned today well we learned that the freddo expired in december but i will eat it to make a point at some point <laughs> uh, we also learned that 
Alex and or Ozzy are bald-headed demons. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, that Wakanda Forever is a hit. And we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks' time with What's Love Got to Do With It? Got to do with it. Got to do with it. <laughs> Goodbye. The film, are we going to do a third Angela Bassett film? Um, what would it be? Um, I mean, have we done... <laughs> Does, did Olympus has fallen count as an Angela Bassett film? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's love got to do with it, did you say, Dave? Yeah. Critters 4. So we've got the Oscar-nominated What's Love Got To Do With It or Critters 4. <laughs> the Oscar-winning Critters the Oscar 4. Winning. <laughs> Hang on, it's Critters 4, the one where they go to space. And nobody knows that, but you guys probably <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was any Critters film where they went to space, to be honest. But yeah. I, I think it is, I think it is. In fact, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know you know it is. <laughs>